We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The teachings of the Ascended Masters are universal and available to all. The Ascended Masters themselves are the saints and sages of East and West, and their teachings incorporate the original core beliefs of all the world's major religions. No matter which religious path you follow, you will find these teachings equally compelling. This is The Open Door. Come along with us as we explore the teachings of the Ascended Masters. Here are the hosts for The Open Door. Tom Schumacher, and Terry Kennedy. Well, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. You are to the Open Door, the Internet Voice of the Summit Lighthouse, where we publish and practice the teachings of the Ascended Masters, and it is our goal to acquaint you with these teachings as well. Now, I'm feeling a little hoarse today, but I'm still Tom Schumacher. Well, you sound good, and <laughs> I'm, I'm Terry Kennedy, and our focus today is on your I Am Presence. Yeah, you know, now this is both a great subject to be talking about and a really tremendous reality for all of us to realize. I know, and it sounds so easy to say <laughs> that you've it? all got an I Am Presence. Uh, but what we're really talking about is a real, individualized manifestation of God within each one of us. You no, know, right. This is real. Your I am presence is not merely a spiritual concept. No, no, it's a reality that it is uh, not only a part of yourself, but it is, in fact, your higher self. You know, Terry, I I can remember really clearly how excited I felt when I first got introduced to this idea that I had an I am presence, you know, my very own I am presence. (laughs) I felt one of those surges of joy kind of bubbling up within me, and I knew instantly that this was the truth for me. I mean, I could barely contain myself. Uh, No pun intended. (laughs) Uh, Well, I think this awareness of the I am presence in each one of us is actually vital knowledge that we should all be given as early in life as we're able to understand the concept. You're not kidding. Um, Among the many benefits to our souls that this knowledge will bring is that it it becomes the key to personal accountability. (laughs) You know, you're talking about the fact that inherent in our I am presence is the ability to create as God creates. That's right. And <laughs> as you, Tom, are fond of saying, we're all co-creators with God. You know, I do go on about it, I know. <laughs> but th- the truth is that our thoughts, words, and deeds have power. You know, we literally speak, think, and act using the power of God. That, that This is what animates us. So as God-free beings and co-creators with God, we must accept the highest level of personal accountability. In other words, it just seems a mighty good idea to be careful what we think and say and how we choose to act. Well, it, it is a mighty good idea because there is consequent, uh, consequence inherent in each of our creations. <laughs> I'll say. There's karma, both good and bad. Yeah, exactly. You know, karma might be thought of as the reward of creation. Create well, create good karma. Create not so well, and voila, not so good karma. <laughs> And I think it's important to point out here that there is a constant flow of energy from God to us and hopefully back to God. Precisely. You know, this is the figure eight flow which describes the pathway of light 
along the crystal cord from God that intersects at the point of our individual Christ self and flows to and through us back to God. You know, we'll look at this relationship more closely in a couple of minutes when we examine the chart of your divine self. In the meantime, it's very important to remember that we have this constant connection with God, this flow of light and love from the Father through the Son to each one of us. And ideally, this flow is continuous and uninterrupted, but it is our actions, our free will choosing, that that actually determine whether or not the flow is constant and not all blocked up. Right, you know, because all of God's energy must be purified before it returns to him. So we must always consider the consequences of our actions. And why? Well, again, because our bad karma stays with us until we transmute it. And how do we do that? Well, by using the science of the spoken word and invoking the violet flame, and by our own good works. Yeah, precisely. And though decrees that invoke the action of the violet flame, our karma can be transmitted into light, love, and illumination, thus purifying it for its return to God. And, you know, not only will uh, the consistent use of the violet flame transmute our negative karma into light, love, and illumination, but it will it will actually accelerate this transmutation. Right. So what may have taken centuries and many lifetimes to build up, may only require a fraction of that time to balance. Now that, that to me is a very comforting <laughs> and encouraging thought. Well, you know, and we have everything you'll ever want to know about the Vita Flame on our website, tsl.org. Feel free to check it out. Okay, uh, we know what we have to do with our negative karma, yes, time, we do. but where does the good karma go? <laughs> That's a great question. You know, our good karma, or our treasures laid up in heaven, is stored in our causal bodies. And our, our causal body is the home of our I am presence. And look how neatly you, Tom, <laughs> brought this subject back to the I am presence. Well, you know, I didn't want to stray too far from this subject because though we might appear to speak of it lightly, it really is an awesome reality that everyone must be made aware of. And you're not exaggerating that in the least either. Our individualized I am presence possesses all of the qualities of the original. Well, the original being God. Yeah, the one and only. And our I am presence is truly our individual God identity our God self. God is God is God, right? Every particle of God contains all of the whole. Truth is, we are all meant to return to a state of oneness with the wholeness of our God self and our I am presence or our real self. You know, and once again, the home of our, indiv- our individualized I am presence is our causal body. You know, if you want to think of this spatially, uh, you can imagine the I am presence as floating somewhere between, oh, seven and 70 feet above your head, depending on your state of consciousness. And perhaps we should point out here that <clears throat> that your I am presence is actually part of your higher self. That's a good point, yeah. Which brings us to the chart of your divine self that we mentioned earlier. You know, you're right. You know, Looking at the chart of your divine self might shed some light on this idea of where your I am presence, Christ self, and you in your human class reside in the hierarchy of self. Good idea. Now, some of you listening out there might be familiar with the chart of your divine self, but for those of you that aren't, imagine a chart with three figures facing outward. You got one at the bottom, one in the middle, one at the top. You stand at the bottom of the chart, you in a human body, and you are God in the becoming. Right. The middle figure is your Christ self. This is your brother, your mentor, guardian, friend, that still quiet voice within. The voice of conscience that speaks within your heart, showing you what's right and wrong. Yes. Your Christ self is the mediator that bridges the gap between you and your I am presence, which is the third and topmost figure in the chart. And together, your Christ self and your I am presence make up what we call your higher self. And that's it. So the first step we take in the process of reuniting with our I am presence is to develop our relationship with our Christ self. And your Christ self is that unseen hand, if you will, that helps you to see 
where you may be blinded by your habit patterns, many of which were shaped by past actions. Right. Your Christ self helps you decide the way that is best for your soul. And your Christ self overshadows you wherever you are and uh, wherever you go. Exactly. And when you're able to achieve Christ consciousness, you will simply never be in doubt or afraid. And as we've said before, you know, once you walk under the direction of your Christ self, you can then begin to become one with him. Which, in turn, brings you closer to oneness with your I am presence. <laughs> Becoming closer to your Christ self, your, your unseen pilot, you will realize your Christ self is actually your real, the real you. Yep. You'll find yourself spending more time as the real you, a part of God, and less time being cut off from God. Yeah, and eventually, like Jesus, Buddha, and the other ascended masters, you will experience your ascension as you become one with your I am presence. And your ascension is completed when you are fused with your I am presence. You know, um, Terry, I believe you've prepared an excerpt for us from Elizabeth Clare Prophet's book, Access the Power of Your Higher Self. That's right, Tom. And it's a short piece. It's uh, not very long. It's entitled, What is the Christ? Well, it sounds good, Terry. Let's play that now. Okay. What is the Christ? You have a Christ self. I have a Christ self. But we're not used to identifying anyone but Jesus as the Christ. What many people don't know is that Christ comes from the Greek word Christos, which means anointed. Jesus was called Christ because he became one with his Christ self, and so was anointed with the light of God, the I Am Presence. Each one of us can also become one with our Christ self. Many of us think that only Jesus can be the Christ because Christianity tells us that Jesus is God's only Son. This idea originated with a misunderstanding of the Gospel of John, specifically the first chapter of John, which describes the Word of God. John 1.14 tells us, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. In one view, this sentence is telling us that Jesus is the Word, God's only Son, but those of John's readers who understood the Greek concept of the word, the Logos, would have gotten a different meaning. Both Greek philosophers and Jewish mystics use the word Logos to refer to the part of God that acts in the world and mediates between Creator and creation. The word is, in a sense, God's Son because it acts as the instrument of the Creator. When people read that the word was made flesh and lived among us, they naturally conclude that Jesus is the word. But what they don't realize is that when John said the Word had taken flesh, he didn't mean that Jesus was God's only Son. He meant that the Word, God's only Son, had manifested in the flesh of Jesus. The author of John was certainly familiar with the Jewish mystical idea that great human beings could act as personifications of the Logos, or the Son. So when John writes that Jesus is the Logos, he doesn't mean to exclude us from also becoming one with the Logos. He is simply telling us that Jesus, the man, became one with the Logos, the only Son. Jesus was the incarnation of the Word, but that doesn't mean He was the only incarnation. The only Son is the universal Christ, which is individualized for each of us as the Christ Self. Everyone who becomes one with the Christ Self can be called the Christ, and the Christ is always the one who is anointed with the light of the I Am Presence. As John wrote, that was the true light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. 
Some early Christians believed that everyone is destined to become one with the Logos. Clement of Alexandria, a second-century church father, tells us that each man has the image of the word, Logos, within him. Paul reminded us that it is the destiny of every Christian to become the Son. In Romans, he writes that God intended Christians to become true images of His Son, the Word, so that His Son, Jesus, might be the eldest of many brothers. In other words, we are meant to become the Word, Logos, or Christ Self, as Jesus did. Ah, thank you, Terry. Uh, now, when we return, we will hear a fascinating interview with Elizabeth Clare Prophet, in which she discusses the chart of your divine self, how it relates to Jesus, Buddha, and the Ascended Masters, and even a bit about Jesus' lost years. Don't go away. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. On the spiritual quest, our upward journey hinges on four basic questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? How do I get there? Who are you? You are a spiritual being, a child of God. And when you recognize this, your whole world changes for the better. No matter where you are or who you're with, the power of this inner knowing will compel you to come up higher. Why are you here? To master your human nature, fulfill your divine purpose, and become one with God. Where are you going? Simply put, you are returning home to the heart of God, where your soul's journey began so very long ago. How do you get there? Follow the Ascended Masters. These great saints and sages of East and West have walked where you walk. They are committed to helping you to find your way home, and their teachings are always practical. Our goal on The Open Door is to keep the spiritual journey as simple and uncomplicated as possible so that all who choose can walk this path with confidence and certainty. The Open Door is live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. And we are the Summit Lighthouse, the pathway to your ascension. For more information, visit www.tsl.org. Be Extraordinary. Seventh Wave Network. You are listening to The Open Door, hosted by Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. Yes, you are back. In the following interview, Elizabeth Clare Prophet tells us how the chart of your divine self relates to the real you and more. Our interviewer is Doug Kenyon. Thus far, we've talked a great deal about the nature of the self, and obviously you have a concept of the self that is quite different from that that most people hold. 
And I'm wondering if you could explain in more detail what your concept is. I think that the understanding of the self is the most important understanding that the individual can have in life. And if we fail to understand the nature of the real self, we never really quite gain an orientation or an integration in our life. The self begins with that which is the permanent atom of being, the cause out of which the effect proceeds. For want of any other name, I call this cause the I am that I am, the presence of the I am, or the I am presence. I find that God, by any name, can be reduced to this sense of the eternal presence. It defines being, and I see it as a sphere of very intense light that marks the point of my origin. It is the permanent part of me, of which I am very aware, and the point to which I shall return at the conclusion of this life. I have diagrammed this real self in relationship to the outer evolving self on a chart which is called the chart of your divine self. The chart has three parts and in a sense could be called the trinity of our identity. First there is the upper figure which is a sphere of light. Then there is the lower figure which represents the soul evolving in matter or in time and space. Between the sphere of light above and the soul evolving below is the consciousness of the mediator or the go-between. The go-between is that portion of the self that can translate to the soul something of the I am that I am and the portion of the self that is real enough that can yet stand in the presence of God. This mediator we call the Christ self or the real self. It is the self that we are in a state of becoming through our evolution, through all of our experiences in time and space. You might say then that the lower figure in the chart would be the man, Jesus. The middle figure would be the self, the Christ. And the upper figure would be the one whom he called Father. We now see a relationship of Father, or the All-Father, the Son, and the soul that is endowed with a flame of the Holy Spirit. That flame is the spark of life. It is a very real spiritual flame that is focused within the body at approximately the point of the heart center. It is in what is called the heart chakra, and it is the threefold flame of life. This is the endowment of our being with consciousness, with self-awareness, with all of the faculties which we enjoy which are above the animal kingdom. The threefold flame, then, is the sacred fire which we are to become and which we are to implement and use as our resource for living and for evolving while we are on earth. Therefore, we see that the trinity that is now separate because of our consciousness, which is limited, will one day become one. We watch this in the life of Jesus. As he matures from birth to manhood, he walks more and more in the stature of his real self, his Christ self. We find him in the temple, 
discoursing with the doctors at the age of 12. This is a sign that the Christ presence or the Christ self is overshadowing him and he is speaking the word of that Christ. We find him at the age of 30 in the full presence of the Christ so that his disciples recognize him. He calls them away from their nets to become fishers of men. He begins to heal, cast out demons, change the water into wine. This because the man Jesus has merged with the inner self, the Christ. He walks the earth for three years performing not miracles but the functions of cosmic law and then walking up Bethany's hill with his disciples after his resurrection, he disappears from their midst and a cloud receives him out of their sight. This cloud is the same cloud that appeared to the children of Israel. The pillar of fire and the cloud represent the I am that I am, the eternal presence. Jesus accelerated to the level of the Christ, then Jesus the Christ accelerated to the level of the I am that I am. This is the nature, the true nature of the three in one. And so we, as heirs of Christ, heirs of Jesus, have come then to realize that same oneness, three out of one, one out of three. In other words, the Trinity is something that is present in all of us all the time. The Trinity is anchored in us in this threefold flame of power, wisdom, and love. The Father represents the power of the law, the Son is the wisdom of the law, and the Holy Spirit is the love action of the law. So it exists in us as potential. Until we have realized that potential, our relationship to Christ and to Father remains a separate one. And therefore, on the chart, we depict these three figures, one on earth, one higher above, and one still higher, until the distance allows individuals to think in terms of heaven and earth. Where does an ascended master fall on this chart? The ascended master is the one who has walked as the lower figure in the chart, as the one who has evolved as a soul, who has first realized his real self as the Christ and become one anointed with that mediator self. And then, at the conclusion of his life, he has reunited with the I am that I am. Therefore, the ascended master would be beyond the material plane in the spirit plane, and yet as close as the air we breathe. When Jesus prayed to the Father, he was talking to himself, his real self then. He was talking to his I am presence, and he was also talking to his inner teacher. Jesus also had a teacher. And it is customary for us to think of our inner teacher or our inner guru as father, the teacher whom Jesus acknowledged in the place of his I am presence as being one with that I am presence on the path was one who is called Lord Maitreya or Maitreya, the coming Buddha of the East. Maitreya attained the Christ consciousness hundreds of years prior to the final incarnation of Jesus. He sponsored Jesus and he became the one that Jesus regarded in the person of Father as well as Jesus' own I am presence. Well, Jesus' life and teachings were in the Middle East. How was it that he was initiated in the teachings of the Far East? Well, no one has really successfully answered the question, where was Jesus between the age of 12 and 30? This is a long period of time for our beloved Master 
considering what he accomplished in three short years. Perhaps if we could have known him between the ages of 12 and 30, we would have found him practicing the laws of science and of truth which he demonstrated publicly in the final hours of his earthly life. It is my understanding that Jesus journeyed to the temples of the ascended masters which are found in Egypt at Luxor and in the Himalayas. When we journeyed to India, we were told by a number of guides that there are records of the coming of one who was called Jesus during the period of history when Jesus lived. And we do know from our verification by the Ascended Masters that Jesus was very humble and that in preparation for his mission, he desired to be trained in the very first steps of initiation. Many of the teachings which he brought forth, in fact, his mantras, I am the way, the truth, and the life, are actually taken from the Sanskrit, uh, which comes down to us through India from the ancient continent of Lemuria as the language which our very early ancestors used to meditate upon God and to practice the science of the spoken word. So the real self in which the Christ that we're familiar with is identified as the middle figure relates to the teachings of the Far East. Where would Buddha fall on that same chart? Buddha, then, as Siddhartha, the child who was born in a palace to wealth and to the surroundings of, of opportunity, becomes the soul who must mature and discover the real self. The real self which Gautama discovered after he left home to discover the cause of suffering, he defined as the Buddha. This is because his meditation was upon God through the crown chakra. And we call one who has attained the realization of God through the crown chakra the Buddha, whereas one who realizes God through the heart chakra we call the Christ. In reality, the Christ self or the real self contains all elements of consciousness. What is the crown chakra? The crown chakra and the term chakra is simply a Sanskrit word. It means wheel or center refers to seven sacred centers in our temple. The heart is the principal center. Then there is the throat, the third eye, and the crown of the head. Below the heart, there is the solar plexus, the seat of the soul, and the base of the spine. These seven centers are seven openings into another dimension. And by meditation upon these centers, we can experience God in different planes of consciousness. Each center, which is depicted as having a different number of petals, has a different frequency or a different vibration. If we center our meditation in the heart, we commune with love. If we center our meditation in the crown, we are communing in wisdom. If our meditation centers in the third eye, we have the power of concentration in truth. And the throat chakra the power center gives us the science of the spoken word. This might seem to imply that Buddha represented a higher evolution than Jesus. I don't know that we would call it higher. We would call it the way of the East. Buddha demonstrated the way of self-mastery that 
was the dispensation for the evolutions of the East. Christ showed it for the evolutions of the West. We have reached a period now where there is an exchange between East and West, and we who live in the West must also pursue the type of mastery which Buddha demonstrated. Uh, Gautama taught for 40 years after his enlightenment under the bow tree. Jesus taught for three years. Thank you. Um, up next, our weekly Q&A, and today we are joined by Reverend Sidney Bennett. Please stay with us. Your online community for positive change. Seventh Wave Network. On the spiritual quest, our upward journey hinges on four basic questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? How do I get there? Who are you? You are a spiritual being, a child of God. And when you recognize this, your whole world changes for the better. No matter where you are or who you're with, the power of this inner knowing will compel you to come up higher. Why are you here? To master your human nature, fulfill your divine purpose, and become one with God. Where are you going? Simply put, you are returning home to the heart of God, where your soul's journey began so very long ago. How do you get there? Follow the Ascended Masters. These great saints and sages of East and West have walked where you walk. They are committed to helping you to find your way home, and their teachings are always practical. Our goal on The Open Door is to keep the spiritual journey as simple and uncomplicated as possible so that all who choose can walk this path with confidence and certainty. The Open Door is live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, and we are the Summit Lighthouse, the pathway to your ascension. For more information, visit www.tsl.org. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tung has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Listening on a higher dimension. 7th Wave Network. You are listening to The Open Door, hosted by Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. Well, we are back, and with us today, as advertised, is Sidney Bennett. Hi, Sidney. Hello, gentlemen. You know, I believe that today's topic, your I am presence, is about as close to a core concept as we can get. You know, we're talking about our essential oneness with God. Are we, in fact, capable of literally becoming God? Well, we have to be careful here because sometimes words can be tricky, and uh, I can <laughs> feel some red flags going off. That sounds like blasphemy to me, Whoa. how to become God. Yeah. Well, let's step back a minute. Look, first of all, we know from the Bible 
that we were created in the image of God. Well, God's not a physical human being. He's a, he's a spiritual being. So we know we have that image of God within us, which is what our I am presence is. It's that portion of God. Now, when God also endowed us when he created us with a soul, the soul is the impermanent part of being, whereas the I am presence always has been and always will be because it's a part of God. And the goal of life is to gain the mastery, to become one with our Christ self and one with our I am presence, and that is how we attain eternal life. So that is how we, quote-unquote, become God. It mm-hmm. doesn't mean that we have all the knowledge of God, all the attainment of God, all the awareness of God. It means that we have realized the God potential within us. Now, think how different this is from what the <laughs> traditional Christian teaching is. We're, we're sinners. We are conceived in sin. Yep. Um, you yep. know, we're just pretty, pretty well worthless. And unless Jesus died for us, we wouldn't get any place. Well, just think of the impact of the psychology of a human being when they're told they're in- inherently worthless, when that is, in fact, a lie. We have the presence of God within us. We make mistakes. We, we have sinned. It doesn't mean we're eternal sinners. So that's a long answer to the question, can we become God? We can realize God, which is our destiny and how we attain eternal life. And the process of that is why we're here on Earth. Well, I think that's actually that was a great answer, no matter how long it was. I mean, that just you, you covered a lot of bases there. And one of the things we said earlier on was that the allness of God is contained in every single part of God. You know, God is God is God. Right. So becoming God, in a sense, as you said, is realizing and making permanent the realization of God within. Right. And I want to point out, too, that you don't lose your individuality. Right. <laughs> We're all unique individuals in God. So we just don't become a rubber stamp copy of God when we make our ascension. The ascended masters have the most wonderful personalities and attainments on different aspects of the seven rays and the parts of God. We're all individuals, and that's what's so exciting. Yeah. You know, we aren't just going to become a rubber stamp of God. We're going to become our unique presence of God. And God created us so he'd have company in the universe. He took a lot of risks doing that, obviously. I'll say, I'll but, say. but hopefully we'll fulfill his purposes. Indeed. You know, we've already covered the concept of uh, co-creation with God in other programs. <laughs> I said a few more times. I know, <laughs> a number of times. It's, it's, worth, it's worth touching on. But we return to the subject again and again because it contains uh, this real vital core understanding of our true nature and power. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Well, I, I think inherent is this, is the acceptance or understanding awareness, what we do matters, what we do counts. And the reason it does is because God supplies our energy for our life, our breath, everything we do on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And we are continually qualifying that energy by how we choose to use it. So when we use it for positive, constructive things, good things come about. When we use it for negative or bad things, as we know, we create negative karma. And so God is saying, look, I'm giving you this power, this light. Use it as you will. And so it's a great responsibility. So what we do every day as individual counts. We're not paranoid about making a mistake, but we have an awareness that what we do, even in the littlest things in our routines of our family life, our job, our school, are very, very important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> you know, I think that 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 level of accountability, that sense that you don't get time off. There's no recess. This is 24-7. It's what we're doing every second that matters. Right, and it's an opportunity. Yeah. God is giving this as an opportunity. And it doesn't mean that you're, you know, down in the face and, and so serious all the time. You don't have any fun or you don't enjoy yourself. <laughs> no. I mean, joy is the motor of life. It's God. And so it's serious, and yet even inherent in its seriousness is the blessings and joy and bliss of God as yeah. we can experience. Yeah. You know, I, I want to divert things just for a moment here to the uh, chart of your divine self, which we talked about and we heard Elizabeth Clare Prophet speak about as well. Um, 
in in terms of the Christ self and the Buddha self and of the that same place of ascended masters, that level of their being, we are literally referring here to the one Son of God, aren't we? I mean, if you would please, can you tell us a bit more about this universal presence, the only begotten Son of God? Well, I think as Mrs. Prophet explained both in the in the reading we had and also in her uh, interview, is that. We have a mediator between God. The holiness of God is not a place where us in our human consciousness can exist, so to speak, in our current state. And so we need someone as a go-between, so to speak, until we become one with our mm-hmm. Christ self and then can be in the presence of God and one with the presence of God. And so it is the Son of God in that sense. The concept of Son is a very good one because we can identify with and understand it. So we have our holy Christ self, which is, is our real self because it's the part of God that's in us. And so we seek to become one with that. And again, we don't lose our identity of who we are. We actually become who we really are. And inherent in that is an understanding that everything we have in our human consciousness is not really our true self. And when we get to the show down the road a little bit, talking about the dwell on the threshold, we'll find out (laughs) those aspects of our consciousness that are not of God and need to go so they can be replaced with the aspects that are of God, of our Christ self. But we don't lose our individuality. That's the the amazing thing about it. You know, uh, that was a nice tease, too. Because I think we've been looking kind of forward to focusing a bit more on this concept of the dweller and the threshold. Won't say anything about it now, but it is a very large and very important topic for each of us to understand. And vital to understand how we get to where we want to go and not fall for the tricks of our carnal mind, as Paul called it. Yes, the dweller and the threshold. Remember that, folks. We'll we'll come back to it. No, it's going to be a big one. (laughs) You know, earlier we were discussing the role of the violet flame in transmuting our negative karma and helping us return to a state of oneness with our higher self. Can you tell us a little bit about how this works? Well, I think you can look at the violet flame as being uh, almost scientific in nature. It is scientific. It has a tremendous quality about it. It's a vibration of God. We know the violet or purple color is the highest uh, vibration on the spectrum of light. And what it is, it's uh, drawing forth or invoking the power of this violet flame that literally can change history in the sense that it can repolarize energy that has been misqualified are made negative karma. And this is an amazing concept when you think about it. The <laughs> past can be changed, and we can right wrongs in the past. And typically, uh, for instance, the Hindus believe the way you do that is you experience the same thing in return, and it takes forever to do it. And you will experience some things coming back physically in your world, but the violet flame allows you to, to, to shortcut that, if you will, and go right in, apply it, and balance a tremendous amount of karma in a short amount of time. It doesn't take away the need for a path. It doesn't take the need away for it. Uh, gaining mastery and attainment, but it's a tremendous boost. But if you don't use it, it doesn't work for you. <laughs> yeah, and that's yeah. what we got to understand. Yeah, it's, you know, a, it's a major tool. It really is. Oh, it, it, yeah. I mean, it, it's a great dispensation for this age. And we've got about a minute left before we have to go to a break. And I wanted to stay on this topic. Um, the violet flame is indeed a multi-purpose tool for aiding us on the path, as you said. Would you tell our listeners a bit more about the many qualities of the violet flame, i.e., you know, the transmitting. Sure, sure. Well, the violet flame is, think of it as a universal solvent. Whatever needs to be repolarized or changed can be done with the violet flame. The forgiveness flame or forgiveness is an aspect of the violet flame. And you think about it, God forgives us and allows us to transmute our past errors or mistakes as we forgive others. It, It can literally bring forth mercy in our world because mercy is the nature of God. And so it can truly help us in that sense. So it does a lot of things. Well, in the uh, in the interview we heard from uh, Elizabeth Clare Prophet, the subject of Jesus's lost years came up, uh, particularly in the time that Jesus spent in the East prior to his Galilean mission. 
Uh, some very interesting information was shared in that interview, in particular about Jesus' guru. Uh, what can you tell us about the one whom Jesus referred to as Father? Well, I, I think what's very important to understand here is don't get caught up in the, the, the worldly use of the term guru, because mm-hmm. we think <laughs> of a false teacher, candidly, and yep, people yeah. that set themselves up as somebody who they're really not. But guru is just another name for teacher. It's a tradition of the East and an understanding that every soul needs a teacher. I mean, if you're going to go and learn a specialty on earth, you've got to have people teach you how to do it. It doesn't net come naturally. And so we need a way show or someone that can show us what we need to do, how we get there, and understand um, you know, the things we're going through. And so Jesus needed a teacher, and so so do we. And um, Lord Maitreya was his teacher. He was a Buddha. And he had also attained the Christ consciousness, and he sponsored Jesus in the sense that he supported him in his mission, even as we can have sponsors from the Ascended Masters and things that we do. So we don't not only need it just for the ability to teach us about things, but also to support us and sponsor us. It's like when your parents pay for you to go to college or something. <laughs> They're sponsoring you. And so right. we're sponsored by the Ascended Masters, and even as Jesus was, if we, can, if we ask for it and we can meet mm-hmm. the requirements. Well, you know, uh, as each of us could benefit from having a guru to provide this direction, discipline, and discernment, where in the world do we find these gurus? (laughs) Well, that is a good question. Your first guru, of course, is your holy Christ Mm -hmm. self and your voice of conscience going within. And practicing attunement, uh, a oneness with that Christ self will give you answers to life's questions. But you can also uh, ask for a guru among the ascended masters. And typically, we don't look to human beings as being our gurus, even though they may be well-intentioned. Because they do, unless they become one with their Christ self, then they can lead us astray. And so the Ascended Masters, whatever you have an interest in, whether it's healing, whether it's government, whether it's purification, whether it's um, uh, protection, whether it's discipline, whatever your aspect of your consciousness that you are drawn to, you can find a teacher to do that. So study the teachings of Ascended Masters, find some master that interests you, and find out how you can get him to sponsor you or her. Yeah, well, you know, for many of us in the West, I think this um, student-teacher or guru-cheater relationship is not something that we're routinely familiar with, or, or at least not to the degree this concept is known and understood in the East. Does choosing or being chosen by a guru mean leaving everything behind and pursuing monastic studies and lifestyle? No, absolutely not. I think the path Good. of the, <laughs> the monks, which I'm sure, and the nuns, we've all been in many embodiments, that's one aspect of, of the path. But God needs people in the governments and the economies of the world doing things and as teachers in the world. So it's whatever they need families that honor God and are holy families in a sense that they, they understand that there's light within them. There's, there's a, many different areas and God will show you where he wants you to serve. Your guru will show you where you need to be, not only to learn life's lessons, but also to help others. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. How do we assimilate uh, our growing consciousness of the divine nature in ourselves in, into our everyday world then? You know, this is, a, of course, a pretty open question, a big question. <laughs> yes. But we need to remember that a disciple disciplines himself. And so there are mm-hmm. disciplines on the path. We live differently, whether we're in a monastery or in the world. We live differently from the world. We live have disciplines. We practice um, uh, daily devotions. We study. We avoid the misuse of energy. We self-correct ourselves. Um, you know, we guard our purity. We te- understand the teachings of God through many openings, so, excuse me, through any sources throughout history, and purity and wholeness. And, you know, don't go where angels fear to tread. And, <laughs> yeah. and honor the light within you by living yeah. a life that way. Yeah. Well, you know, thank you, Ter- uh, Sydney. Uh, we, we've got to take a break. Um, but, folks, we'll be back in a moment with more Q&A with Sydney Bennett. Don't go away. 
the new home for visionary positive change. Seventh Wave Network. On the spiritual quest, our upward journey hinges on four basic questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? How do I get there? Who are you? You are a spiritual being, a child of God. And when you recognize this, your whole world changes for the better. No matter where you are or who you're with, the power of this inner knowing will compel you to come up higher. Why are you here? To master your human nature, fulfill your divine purpose, and become one with God. Where are you going? Simply put, you are returning home to the heart of God, where your soul's journey began so very long ago. How do you get there? Follow the Ascended Masters. These great saints and sages of East and West have walked where you walk. They are committed to helping you to find your way home. And their teachings are always practical. Our goal on The Open Door is to keep the spiritual journey as simple and uncomplicated as possible so that all who choose can walk this path with confidence and certainty. The Open Door is live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. And we are the Summit Lighthouse, the pathway to your ascension. For more information, visit www.tsl.org. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. You are listening to The Open Door, hosted by Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. We're back, everyone. Um, a little bit more on the I Am Presence, Christ Self, and Tools for Transcending Our Human Nature with Sidney Bennett. Since you mentioned it, uh, let's, let's start with the uh, concept of tools that we <laughs> referred to earlier. Uh, we referred to the, earlier to the violet flame as a kind of a multi-purpose tool, uh, uh, the Swiss Army knife of yeah, uh, right. spirituality, yeah. Yeah. for aiding our spiritual journey. Uh, what are some of the other tools that we can use? Well, again, the understanding that a disciple needs tools, needs something to learn. Jesus learned the way to do things. So we need to gain an understanding or a maturity from a spiritual point of view and take advantage of those things which God has given us. And primarily what we've been given in this cycle, in this age, to acceleration our karma balancing and our service is the use of the science of the spoken word. And we invoke the violet flame through the use of the science of the spoken word and also by the way we live. But there are other things besides the violet flame you can do as well. For instance, it's very important to bring forth the light of protection into your world. Oh, yes. Because there is opposition 
to you going forward spiritually. You, you need protection. Your family needs protection. Your nation needs protection. So we call to Archangel Michael to do that. We have something called the Tube of Light Decree, which literally surrounds you in a tube of light to protect you from negative energy that may be coming at you throughout the day. I mean, there's a multitude of things you can do. And as you learn and understand these disciplines, you incorporate them in your world, and then you're ready, to, again, to have that foundation for that sort of giant leap forward, if you will, spiritually, not only in karma balancing, but in clearing your force field, clearing your world, clearing your aura, so that you truly can hear that still small voice of in, and you can experience God in a way perhaps you haven't done it for a very long time. And, you know, uh, earlier on in these teachings, uh, when I first uh, became a, uh, exposed to them, I liked the concept of a, of a candle inside of a, uh, of a milk bottle dumped, dumped into water as uh, how you can visualize the tube of light around uh-huh. it. Yeah. <laughs> Good. The candle yeah. doesn't go out. Candle yeah. doesn't go out. And yeah, and you, that's a good good image to hold. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, for the sake of those in our audience who may not be, um, or may only be somewhat new to the concept of decrees, let's break down the anatomy of a decree. Would you mind doing that? No, not at all. And remember, the first thing I want to say is that when we decree, it's not just the vain repetition of words. We are following, following a scientific formula that... that begins with the realization that God's pure energy is flowing through us 24 hours a day, and we are going to take established formulas and use that to qualify that energy. It's not a road exercise because these words that we give forth must be endowed with love and compassion of those qualities of God. Mm -hmm. It's not just a road thing. That having been said, like anything else uh, in alchemy, uh, if you're going to change base metal into gold, you have to follow a basic procedure and understanding how it works. In this case, to turn the base of metal of our human consciousness into the gold of I am presence. So a decree begins with um, asking the presence of God. Because again, this is not our human self that's doing that. So you invoke the presence of God. It could be in Jesus, could be in Ascended Masters, could be in your I am presence. It's the presence of God as the authority to do that. Then you have um, what's called the body of a decree, which is written by the Ascended Masters, and they're very they're worded formulas for drawing forth light. And as you draw forth light through these formulas, then they can be applied to a specific thing. And you know that they're, they're the appropriate words because the masters, again, have written them. And, you know, every time someone gives a decree, it, it essentially reinforces that decree. And these decrees have been given literally millions of times. And so when you pick up the momentum and understand how to give it, you're tuning into that momentum. And again, you can have a multiplication by more than one person. That's why we have group services, Mm -hmm. and and we give these decrees. And then at the end of the decree, you accept it as being done. You always call that it be adjusted according to God's will, and you call for the protection of that light that's coming forth. So it's not stolen by our friends, the quote-unquote, the fallen angels who can't get light from God. And so light must be invoked. It must be protected. And this is how you get the benefit of these decrees, which will accelerate your consciousness and your karma balancing, in a way that's literally been unheard of for mm-hmm. for who knows how long on this planet. Now, we use a, a ceiling, uh, customarily use a ceiling in our decrees that, as I understand it, is basically saying, as above, so below. As what is manifest in heaven at the I am presence level, we bring it down into manifestation in our level. Exactly. Because, yeah. again, we can pray for specific things and make calls on things. But we always want God to adjust that according to his will because we don't have the vision of God right. for everything or everybody. And, of course, people have free will, too. But light changes the equation of things. And when you interject more light into a situation, you can tip the scales to bring forth God's will, whether it's the economy, whether it's the government, whether it's your health, whatever it is. 
light um, is the alchemical key. It will change things. And so we need to invoke light in a very disciplined, scientific, and loving way to get the benefit of it, the greatest. Now, there are, there are different decrees for different applications, aren't there? Now, yeah. For example, the violet flame decrees that we've already spoken of help us accelerate the transmutation of our negative karma. But what about like healing or protection or abundance, what other decrees are there for that? Well, we realize there's many aspects to God. We, there's seven primary rays, and then there's some secret rays, and they all have different qualities. And so, for instance, if you need healing on what we call the fifth ray or the green ray, then you would use decrees. We have a very large decree book. What is it, 500 pages or something? I don't know, but it's huge. <laughs> it's good size. You go to the green section, you say, okay, this is where... Um, the, the, the healing decrees are, so if you need healing for yourself or your family, that's where you'd go. So if it's protection, if you have a son or a daughter, then the armed forces, you want to be praying for them every day and make sure Archangel Michael is out there protecting them. So we have protection decrees to Archangel Michael. So there's a, there's a whole gauntlet of things. If you want to have purification, um, you know, if you want to enhance your service, if you want to become more the Christ or the Buddha, there's very specific decrees you can use. And, of course, they're part of the spiritual path. Yeah. There's, you still got to walk the path. You still need the teacher. You need to still hit the bumps <laughs> on the road, so to yeah. speak. Yeah. Even Jesus learned through his suffering, we're taught. He yeah. learned obedience through his suffering. So we're still going to need to learn things. But these are the, you know, the, the booster shot that can get us literally out of Earth's orbit, so to speak, <laughs> and, uh, without carrying that analogy too far. Oh, yeah. and, and, you yeah. know, back to our home, which is God, yeah. our I am presence. Yeah. You know, another quality worth praying for, certainly in my, in my case, I pray for it daily, is discernment. Um, in the first segment of today's program, we spoke of the individual Christ self as possessing that still quiet voice within. You know, in the face of the constant bombardment of stimuli the modern world throws at us, how do we learn to discern the voice of our Christ self? You know, is there a decree for that? Well, there's a decree, but you also have to, 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 to create the environment to do that. You have to have find some time in your day when you can turn away the world. You can go into your spiritual closet, if you will. You can have time to talk to God, to listen to God, to turn off the TV, turn off the music, turn <laughs> off everything, you know, put the dog out and yep. so forth, so that you can meditate and invoke the presence of God and to hear that voice. Because what one of the techniques of the fallen angels is to drown out our ability to hear that voice through rock music, through the media, you got to be doing something all the time. You got to have headphones on because if you don't have headphones on, you might, you know, you might hear the voice of God, and they don't want that. You know, we're always trying to adjust the signal to noise ratio. Yeah, and we're dealing with that right now. This, this is the signal strength we're trying to attain through this forest of noise. Right, and you need spiritual practices. Yeah. They work. You know, the, the meditation, the prayers, the getting down on your knees, calling mm-hmm. out to God. I mean, talk to God. Talk to your Holy yeah. Christ self like He's your best friend. What do I do now? What is this? But then you need to listen. And, of course, to the best of your ability, you need to act on what you hear. And, of course, try the spirits, too. Right. Um, if you're not sure. whether I mean, your Holy Christ self is not going to tell you to lie down on a railroad track to prove that God can save you. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, you've got to use common sense. Yeah. Uh, you know, before we come to the end of the show today, uh, we should all direct, uh, we should direct those that are interested in our website uh, at www.tsl.org. You know, and that's a great idea, Terry, and thank you for saying that. Because when you visit us there, you'll find a multitude of choices and options for learning a lot more about the full spectrum of Ascended Master teachings, including everything we've talked about today. And if you don't find what you're looking for there, please write to us at webradio at tsl.org and tell us what you want. Exactly. You know, to sum up our focus on the subject of our I Am Presence, what is the one thing you would suggest for keeping this vital awareness front and center in our consciousness? Being aware of who you are. And everybody hears voices says, oh, you're no good, you're unworthy, you've failed again, and so forth. 
We have to challenge those voices even as we accept responsibility for our actions and affirm God is in me. I have a potential and a destiny in God, and with his help, I'm going to fulfill that. Uh, amen. amen. Well, guess what? <laughs> We're out of time. Another hour just whizzed by. You know, once again, I want to thank Sidney Bennett for shedding clear light on complex subjects. And for everybody, please remember, though the upward path may be difficult, the rewards are out of this world. Indeed. Thank you all for listening. Bye-bye. Thank you again for joining us this week for The Open Door. This program is broadcast live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. For more information about The Open Door and the Summit Lighthouse, please visit our website at www.tsl.org. We'll see you again next week.